Hello friends, welcome back to the show. Garen Emig, Sellout Crowd columnist, here to do Mind Games, my weekly program on the Sellout Crowd Network where we climb inside the heads of some of the principal figures of, uh, of sports in and around Tulsa, Oklahoma City and parts in between. Today we're off to Stillwater to visit with an old friend, Barry Hinson, who you know from basketball circles probably uh, as much as anywhere else. He's moved up in the world. He is now an associate athletic director tells me I need to, it tells me that I'm doing something wrong man because I've been, I've been doing sports writing or sports broadcasting for as long as I've known you here you are an associate ad yeah there's a lot of letters after my name right now but man uh, I promise you this Garen I'm still the same guy I was when you used to interview me during <laughs> basketball so 41 years of basketball and, you know I jumped to the administration side we go back a ways man I used to do radio in Tulsa and uh well it's just to give people a sense of, of, of our relationship. Don King, mutual friend who's a veteran of Tulsa radio circles, uh, brought me over to ORU once upon a time to meet Bill Self. Uh, when you guys were still at Oral Roberts and Bill, Bill was still at ORU, uh, we go into Bill's office for a minute or two. He's, he's great. You know, I don't know if you've heard this. Bill's pretty media friendly, media savvy. <laughs> right. So I'm thinking, you know, if I don't cover their games, I might buy tickets, that kind of deal. And then Don says, there's someone else I think you should meet. I say, can't get any better than Bill. And, and then he brings me into your office and you're practically giving me, you know, you're, you're, how much merch can I, you want a t-shirt? You want a koozie? Do you want, right? Do you want a, I mean, there's no, it was unbelievable. Uh, if, if Bill hadn't sold me on what you guys were up to at ORU, you finished the job. And so um, that gave me a first glimpse into the into the mind or the or the personality of Barry Henson. You probably don't recall that day, but I sure do. Well, I re I recall giving a lot of merch away because there wasn't anybody wearing all of your stuff at the time. So we were just trying to get anybody that walked in. Hey, you need a T-shirt? We'd like for you to wear this. But yeah, yeah, you were doing okay for yourselves. Bill had it. Go you and Bill had it going. Um, then Bill got it going at TU. You got it going at ORU, and then all then you've gone. You got and done different things, only to reemerge, only to separate again. We'll get into that a little bit later. But let's hey, let's tell people, um, let's tell people what you're up to. You're an associate athletic director in a, in a job that I, I take it involves more than patting boosters on the back and kissing babies, because I see NIL as part of your job title. So this this actually sounds like you know, 15, 16 hours a day, man. What's going on? Well, it can be. It certainly can be. And it, it, there's a lot of traveling. Uh, I would, uh, I, I tell people all the time that NIL is much like running a political campaign right now, but we don't have an election season. Our election season, election day is every day. And, you know, about a year and Garen, we're probably in two months, but a year and two months ago, they came and asked me if I'd like to do uh, NIL. And the first response was no. And the second response was hell no. And uh, I didn't, uh, but I didn't know really anything about it. I, I was just like everybody else right now. Yeah. I wasn't educated enough. And then they really told me the story of Ed O'Bannon and what happened with EA Sports. And I was familiar with that a little bit because that was certainly the time, uh, as you just very well mentioned, when I was with Bill at Oral Roberts. Right. And then when I was at Southwest Missouri State, which is now Missouri State, I can remember signing a ton contract for my name, image, and likeness on a sports game. And I can remember that, you know, I think I made $78, which was divided up amongst the 
whatever there was at that time, 320 some odd division one coaches. I like to tell people that Mike Krzyzewski and I had the same contract. Uh, and I, I really like to repeat that often, but the sad thing about that was I remember vividly, they were using my name, image and likeness as well as our players, but none of those players received any of that money at the time. Right, right. And looking back, when they reminded me of the story, I'm the one that thought of the story of myself. And when I came home that night, I don't mind telling you guilt hit me, hit me pretty hard. Hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, I was so willing to take that $78 check that was through the NABC and whatever sporting company was doing it at the time. But I didn't even think about the student athlete because I was like everybody else. They were getting room board books and tuition. And never did I think that it was something that they should be able to receive. And I actually felt guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And if we wanted to get right down to it, what pushed me over the top was the biggest thing was the opportunity to stay here in Stillwater and to work for Chad Weiberg and to work for the institution in which I went to school. And I'm out of coaching. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to be a head coach again. Uh, finally, I matured. I checked my ego in at the door and uh, my wife is happy. Uh, my children both live, both my daughters live in Tulsa and uh, my grandkids are in Tulsa. And so okay. you know, we're going to die in Stillwater. And uh, I'm probably going to die first. It'll probably be an episode on Dateline or 48 Hours. <laughs> but uh, my wife's probably going to kill me. But that's, you know, there's, yeah. there's worse ways to go, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I wor See, here's the thing. I worry about any associate AD whose job is related to name, image, and likeness. I worry that's going to kill a man or a woman. I, I, is it, I thought maybe I, I came into this podcast wondering if this was actually a tougher job than squeezing 20 wins out of ORU once upon a time. I mean, what? Well, I, I, it's easy for me to answer that question because there's two, there's two areas of NIL, and one is the collective, and I'm not part of the collective. Uh, it's illegal for us by NCAA rules to be any part of the collective. And if you want to get right down to it, collective is pay for play. We can sit here and blow smoke at you. We can do cover up all this stuff. And it's quid pro quo. And all these kids are doing something in order to receive their check. But basically, it's money raised to pay these players. But I'm on the fun side. And I, I don't really, I really don't feel the stress because I get an opportunity to not only promote 13 athletes like I used to, but now I have 572 student athletes along with Cheer, Palm, and Pistol Pete that we get to somehow promote their name, image, and likeness mm -hmm. in order for them to make money. You know, I'll give you a great example. The little girl at LSU, and Garen, first of all, when you're my age, everybody's a little girl. <laughs> but the little girl at LSU, Olivia Dunn, has really done an, an unbelievable job. She made $3.4 million last year, or at least that's what was reported. Right. And, you know, this little girl is doing gymnastics and jumping around in some yoga pants. And that yoga company's figured out real quick that this little girl can sell stuff. And they can make, they, the student athlete, can help us make money. Mm -hmm. LSU's got a basketball player that's done phenomenal. And congratulations to her for all the things that she's doing, not only for her, but for LSU. Angel Reese Our, is you're talking about, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Caitlin in Iowa is going to make right. an enormous amount of money in NIL. And I go back to this, and this is an argument that I tell people all the time. NIL, if you want to get right down to it, unless you're what I would refer to 
is an A-list or a star athlete. The NIL has really benefited the female student athlete because they don't have the same opportunity as most of the males do professionally once they graduate, whether mm-hmm. it be overseas play, mm-hmm. Canadian Football League, Arena Football, whatever. They don't have the same opportunities as baseball and minor league, rookie league, all that. So you're looking at professional softball. They're not going to make that much money doing that. And to be in the WNBA now with the global anticipation and what is going on there, it's really hard for female mm-hmm. athletes to make money. So now all of a sudden they're reaping the benefits of name, image, and likeness. Yeah. And they're making money for all those AAU, all those club trips, all those mom and dads, personal lessons, private lessons, taking them, dragging around all the way around the country in a station wagon, or not a station wagon, but an SUV. I showed my age there. But it, you you get that situation where yeah. finally they get a little bit of payback. Yeah. So I'm actually on the good side. And to be honest, when we go, if you're a business and you ask to meet with me about NIL, the first words out of my mouth are, how can we make you more money? And that's the way we look at it. And we know that our student athletes can drive your business. We had a student athlete last year that set up with a coffee company here in town, an Oklahoma coffee company, not a national one. There's nothing wrong with the national coffee companies, but if we're going to support anybody, I'd like to support an Oklahoma coffee company. So Aspen Coffee reached out to us. They got one of our basketball players that drank coffee there every day and said, all right, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll set you up on a coffee a day, free coffee. And if you'll just do social media posts and you'll try to drive business here, we'll see how this goes. It went so well that they end up signing the entire women's basketball team. Because all those little ladies and all those people that drink coffee that supported cowgirl basketball mm-hmm. stopped going to the national ones and decided, you know what? Because of these young ladies, we're going to go drink coffee at Aspen Coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's how that works. So to me, that is true NIL. That's what it's been made for. And, you know, we've, we've morphed. We morph every day. It's fluid. This changes. I mean, we're going to get a new ruling from the NCAA tomorrow on what we can do more to help the student athletes. It's ever changing. Uh, we've started a jersey program and a jersey program is basically a t-shirt that mimics the jersey of what they wear in competition. Mm-hmm. Now you're a sports reporter. I can see your mind racing and you're thinking, okay, how does that work for equestrian? Well, equestrian doesn't have a number, but we put the number on the back. 24. And it looks just like a jersey number. And it has the young lady's name on the back. And on the front, it has cowgirl equestrian. We'll do the same thing for track, softball, baseball, whatever sport we have. And Darren, we sell those for $26. And of the $26 that each one of those jerseys is sold, each student athlete receives Mm $11.65. I'm not a great math guy. That OSU math, I didn't do real great in the classes, but that is an unbelievable percentage that comes back. There's a national company now that sells jerseys, that they're selling football jerseys for $140. The student athlete, Garen, makes a little bit above $4, and after taxes, it's in the $3.50 range. Mm -hmm. That's that's not right. So we figured it out. We're going to create our own, 
And we're going to figure out a way to do this where our student athletes can make money. They get on social media. They promote it themselves. Their parents, their families, they put it on Facebook. It's all over the place. It's on Instagram. They TikTok. They dance around in it. And the next thing you know, their jersey sales go up. Mm -hmm. And it is absolutely, in my opinion, the greatest learning laboratory that we have outside of the academics that they do Mm -hmm. every day. They get educated on taxes. They educated on savings. Uh, We basically take a little bit of Dave Ramsey approach. We teach all our student athletes the 40-40-20. needs to be saved for taxes and Mm -hmm. whatever else is going to go on. 40% you need to just, if you want to spend it, go spend it and put 20% back for savings. We're teaching these student athletes this right off the bat. So, you know, I I have this saying, and you can help a lot with this because you're in the media, and I believe this. And, you know, I've had a few quotes out there that have been quotable in my day, but NIL is not a four-letter word. And I mean that. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. The people that are upset right now are upset because of the transfer portal. They're upset about the amounts of money that they read in the media. And I would say most of the time, those amounts aren't even close. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of like fishing in Oklahoma. There's never been a guy in Oklahoma that caught a fish that was six inches long. It was always a foot or longer. Mm -hmm. It's just the way we live. Right. Everything, Barry, everything you've told me goes in line with what I think everyone thought would be right in the in the NIL world in terms of allowing an overdue opportunity to your original point an overdue opportunity for college athletes to make money off their name image and likeness that it would trickle down and give olympic sport athletes and and title 9 athletes in particular chances not as visible as your football players your men's basketball players not as visible and therefore not as many chances at uh, at exposure and therefore, and therefore revenue streams. Everything you've said in terms of the work you can do legally as an AD, an associate AD at, at OSU, falls in that category. What I'd like you to do is delineate, you mentioned this a little bit ago, delineate what you can't do in terms of collective, in terms of pokes with a purpose, in terms of the, the idea that there, that's the pay for play that has coaches and administrators uncomfortable with where NIL is headed. Well, let's talk about the first biggest can't that you can't do. You can't visit with a recruit or their family and tell them a specific amount of money that you're going to offer them in order to come play at your institution. You cannot take a player of your program and say, if you do this, rush for this amount, hit this, so many strikeouts, that we're going to pay you for that. You can take whatever is aligned with pay for play, and you cannot make any promises in those regards. That's the rule. I'm very comfortable in saying that at Oklahoma State, I'm very comfortable, Garen, saying this, that none of our coaches do this. Matter of fact, you've seen Mike Gundy really talk about this recently in the media that we're not doing it. We know for a fact that it's being done. We've seen it. We've read text on student-athletes' phones that is being recruited from Oklahoma State, from other institutions. We've seen that. You know, I got tickled that I was on a call with the NCAA, and one of the NCAA enforcement agents said, 
He was at a baseball regional in which the host of the regional was visiting with student athletes and their parents from other teams participating in the super regionals about transferring and giving them numbers of NIL. Wow. Wow. Now, let's get, I will say this. I believe this in my heart. The more extremes that we have reported, the more extremes that we dig up will allow us to move faster in the process to get where we need to get. I believe that in my heart. I've got a funny saying, and, and no disrespect to Alabama or Georgia, but uh, if Alabama and Georgia, uh, or if Alabama continues to get beat and Georgia gets beat because of the collectives, then we're going to see new legislation move a lot faster. I promise you. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- that leads me to a question, Barry. Is Has this gotten so far off the original intent that the answer is to accept the new reality and come to a better, more realistic grip with, well, maybe there should be some allowances made with regard to collectives. Maybe universities should become more involved. Or can we still, you know, damn this uh, as in the, 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 if the thing's getting flooded, the zone's getting flooded, can we still build the dam so that this stops, right? And that, or, or at least, slows and that it doesn't get the the NIL ideal isn't abused if you want to call it that in the way in the way that it is being abused which is the better what's what's the more realistic direction here is to stop this is not what we intended or well we should have probably seen this coming so let's just legislate in reality if if that makes any sense what do you what do you think no no it, it makes sense but I, I think we have to go back to the Supreme Court ruling now we live in an age that Nobody can get along and nobody can ever agree. But you had a Supreme Court ruling of 9-0. There are not a lot of Supreme Court rulings that are 9-0. Mm-hmm. So 9-0 ruling on the Austin case absolutely told the NCAA where they stood. And that is without a doubt in the question for the benefit and the health and welfare of student athletes. Mm-hmm. So we know that, number one. The second thing is that I want to tell you, there's not a administrator or a coach at any institution right now in the United States of America that belongs to the NCAA that is not on top of the mountain, screaming at the top of their lungs, singing harder than Julia Andrews in Sound of Music, <laughs> asking an organization, please help us. Mm-hmm. We are all, everybody is joined in hand, and we know that. So I'm going to tell you my opinion, whether this takes fruition or not, I don't know. I do think we're trending in the right direction. I do think we have a president of the NCAA and Charlie Baker that realizes the significance of this. I do know for a fact that he's put together a committee. The reason I know that is Chad Weiberg, our athletic director, has been selected to represent the Big 12 athletic directors as a representative of our conference. He has already been actively involved in those meetings. When we meet, as we did today with the head coaches, he let us know that we are moving in a positive direction. And what that direction is, Garen, I don't know, but I think the best way to describe it would be we're headed for parity that everybody plays under the same umbrella and the same rules. Obviously, the Power Fives have an advantage here. 
the conferences that I coached at most of my life, the mid-majors, I really feel for them. We have two issues here. We have the transfer portal issue where mid-majors and low-majors have now slowly and surely become farm club systems for the high-majors. That's an issue. That's a problem. The NCAA is right now actively telling people the waiver process is not going to be as easy as as it has been. Now, I just made that statement, and then the Attorney General at North Carolina went after the NCAA, and the NCAA go, oh, my bad, we'll make sure that the kid's eligible now for North Carolina football. Don't think that 49 Attorney Generals in 49 other states recognized what happened there. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we are trending, moving towards, we're going to find something out. I'll be shocked. Nobody's told me this. Nobody's led me to believe this. I will be shocked that we don't have new legislation by the spring for next year's academic calendar. I, I will, I'll be shocked if we don't have something going on. As it stands right now, let me ask you a point blank question that, that might be tough to answer. And you, you do the best you can here, Barry. But if you say that OSU coaches are letter of the law when it comes to offers, things, promises, money, you know, pay, pay, that anything, anything that they, that is other coaches at other schools are leveraging when they're recruiting with regard to collectives or NIL, pay, pay to play, however you want to put it. Point blank, is that how much of a disadvantage given the landscape as it stands right now, is it to, to be by the book? Does it put your coaches at a disadvantage just in the real, just in the way the landscape is right now? Well, I think if you, and I, I, I'm going to say this, Darren, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if we want to take, and I can't remember how many Division One football programs we have now, 117, whatever, but I would be willing to say of 117 football programs that I would be confident saying 90 of them are really following the rules and doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's, that's more than that. I would have guessed. That's more than I, that's, that's an interesting assessment. Because I, yeah, I would have guessed I, maybe the I would have guessed maybe the opposite because I'm a well, skeptic. Well, and and let me. There's different ways to sell a used car. <laughs> we all have. There's nothing wrong with bringing a recruit on your campus and a family on your campus. And what they'll do is they'll say, "Well, you know, what are you offering here?" Well, we're not offering your son anything. But let me just say this: your son is coming in, and we're recruiting him for this position. Mm-hmm. In, in that position last year, this is what this young man made in that position. Now, that's just code that that's a, a way of you can offer. You can always refer to what has been done mm-hmm. before. You don't have to talk about what will be done. And they have to read between the lines. So I do think we're headed where we're the NCAA is going to say, I don't know, I don't want to use the word cap because then we get into antitrust stuff. But I do think that eventually we're going to get to a point where the NCAA is going to say, okay, we get it. This is a voluntary organization. Your conference is voluntarily a part of the NCAA. You would like to participate in our championships. If you don't want to participate in our championships and you want to do something on your own, feel free to do so. But if you're going to participate in the NCAA championships, these are the rules that you will abide by. And conferences will get together and they'll just say, okay, we're going to abide by these rules. What's interesting is that we've let 
our federal government and state governments get a sniff of this and they're starting to mess around with it. Now, I have more faith, this will be a bold statement for me, I have more faith in our presidents of our NCAA institutions than I ever have in our federal or state legislators right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that our state pres or our presidents of our institutions along the NCAA will figure this out. Because what we don't need is we don't need intervention from our federal government or our state governments right now. We got bigger issues. Yeah. I'd like to tell you that sports is life, but it's not. Yeah. We've got problems in our country. Sports doesn't overrank homelessness. Sports right. doesn't overrank our inflation. Sports doesn't overrank joblessness. You know what? You guys take care of that shit and let us take care of the sports. Yep, yep, yep. You're preaching to the choir there, man. You really are. I worry, here, Barry, I, I tell you this. If, if in fact, the, the lawmakers and the people we elect to, to do the things you're talking about instead of worry about name, image, likeness and things that could have been solved by the NCAA decades ago, if they, if they, if they realize that their priorities are in order and that they're going to ask, they're going to turn it back on the NCAA and the member institutions, and the conferences, then there are going to be certain institutions, if not conferences, who say, well, instead of figuring out a cap to this or, or a, a way out of this, uh, under the NCAA rules to play in NCAA championships, we're going to go form our own band, right? The, the breakoff that everyone's kind of wor- right anticipating 30 to 30 to 40 programs break off and do their own thing. You know what I mean? Where, yeah, you can see that, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's where I worry that we'll reach and NIL will play a role in it. I don't see... I don't see 30 or 40, Garen, because you have five power five conferences. And I think there's some, you know, let's let's take two teams that are dear to my heart because I know the guys there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's take Creighton basketball and Gonzaga basketball. Mm -hmm. Non-football schools, Villanova, non-football, I mean, the Division One level. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do with those schools breaking off basketball-wise and all that? So I, I think it is somewhat of a conundrum. But I could see, you know, I can see another division coming into college athletics. don't think people want to talk about that. Uh, obviously, the NCAA basketball tournament pays the bills. You can say all you want about college football, but the NCAA revenue, uh, at one time, 84% of all revenue was created by the NCAA basketball tournament. If you get rid of Cinderella, if you throw her out where she can't come to the ball, It'll be interesting to see what problems we have. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer to that. I do think that Cinderella makes this ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping and praying that Cinderella is not going to be a Rutgers uh, out of the Big Ten uh, much than a George Mason. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see a George Mason than I would somebody at the bottom pit of the yeah. Power Fives be the Cinderellas because that makes – to me, that makes sports, and it certainly makes your life a whole lot easier when Oral Roberts University goes to the Sweet 16 in college basketball the yeah. tournament. That's what that's what makes this tournament. Okay, last thing I swear on NIL. Uh, when you have those coaches beans, you said you had one this morning, right? Is that you said? Yes. On, what's what's the what's the tenor like? I mean, how much frustration is there on this topic? Just when you have those beans with your coaches. Well, I, I will say this, uh, you know, our frustration level is somewhat, 
Um, it's somewhat downplayed because of our athletic director. Um, okay. Chad Weiberg, if he was in a choir, he would be alto. <laughs> he's not too high. He's not too low. Uh, we're never in a panic mode. Uh, Reed Sigmund is also our uh, deputy athletic director. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys, yeah, I, you know, they were two peas in a pod, I think, when they were born. I Genetically, they may have not been related, but they're <laughs> brothers the way they are. And so right. really, in all of our – I've not been in one head coach's meeting in the last 15 months that just hasn't been, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I think will happen, and I'll let you know when it happens. And then if anything else happens, we'll talk about it the next meeting. And it's literally almost at that time. Mm-hmm. A lot of input, uh, you know, maybe some frustration from the coaches, but Chad is so great to get feedback from our coaches. Uh, and our coaches feel, they feel very comfortable giving mm-hmm. Chad their feedback, which mm-hmm. I think that just shows you the dialogue is pretty good between the two. Yeah. I get the sense that you've got the right AD for. If we're if we are not just you know coasting into the next uh, generation of college athletics, but but you know mock mock sixing into it, and you might temperamentally, if nothing else, uh, you know what how he how he conducts himself between his his ears. Might, I think you got the right guy in a very important position. Is, is well, I don't I, think I know, and I and it's not you know I'm I'm old, so they could come in tomorrow and let turn me out to pasture. So I <laughs> you know I'd say bold stuff when you're my age, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I I have never been more excited yeah. about leadership that I work for every day and Dr. Casey Schramm and Chai Weiberg. I'm just – now, and they're both – I think they would both be – they'd probably both be altos in the choir, but <laughs> don't think for one moment that Dr. Strum, Dr. Schramm – she played softball now. She played college yeah. softball. Oh, I hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She – I just, I'm going to say this. She's not going to ever say it, but when she enters a meeting, she's walking there to kick your ass is what she's doing. I'll just <laughs> she, put it that way. She, and, but she does it diplomatically. I'm not good at that diplomatic stuff. I tell you, Garen, I've never in my life been a thermostat. I'm a thermometer. Chad and Dr. Shrum are thermostats. Yeah. I, I'm not that guy. I walk in to kick your ass. You know, when I come through the door, oh, he, he's here to kick my ass. <laughs> Dude, I remember. Listen, I know this. I know this for a fact. The the one time I did a a, a game of yours on the radio, filling in for Al Jerkins, uh, we went to you, you the or you went to Southern Miss. I think it was ninety seven, December of ninety seven, and you, you didn't win. No, no. <laughs> I don't think I saw you say one word on the way home, but I saw your face turn about six different shades of red. <laughs> So I know what you when you say I, I will kick your ass. I I was just worried for your players at the next practice, yeah. just based yeah, on that was one a, December game. That wasn't even a. You were still trying to figure out what you had that year, and yet you were still just a little pissed off about that yeah. result once upon a time in Hattiesburg. Absolutely, and Hattiesburg is no disrespect to the people of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, but it's not <laughs> one of your uh, stops for a, a tourist. It, you know, I'm going there to eat. I'm not going there to stay. I'll just put or to it drink way. sweet tea or to drink sweet <laughs> That's tea. That's exactly right. Yeah. Your your spoon stayed straight up when yeah. they served you sweet tea. No there. kidding. I had no idea what I was getting into until I asked for no the sweet tea. You mean the real sweet tea? You really want the sweet? Yeah, the sweet tea. I don't know if you really want it, but you're going to get it. 
Oh my lord! All right, um, let's let's get out of here with exit questions. Have a little fun. You you already answered one of them, Barry. I was going to ask what job would get you back in the game, but you, you've already told me you're dying in Stillwater. So now think about this: who, what athletic director calls Barry Henson and offers him a basketball job, and Barry says, "I I, I thought I was going to die in Stillwater." <laughs> but well, maybe- I I would tell you this right now: if it was a Power Five AD, then maybe. But if it's a mid-major, you got no shot because I'm not going to go work my ass off every day to be a farm club for somebody else. So, you know, those days, you know, Scott and I talk about that all the time. You know, Scott and I were very fortunate. We both won over 300 games. I'll make Scott, a statement. Real quick, you're talking about Scott Sutton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I'll make a bold statement here, and I'm going to stand by it. I don't think there will be a mid-major coach that takes over a program right now that will have the opportunity to win 300 games. I just don't think you will. Mm-hmm. You may be in it now and you will, but there'll be nobody in the last two or three years that gets started at yeah. the mid-major level because Scott and I were blessed. There wasn't anybody robbing our cupboard every day yeah. when we developed good players. And I'm not so sure that if I went back to mid-major, which I'm not, that I would only recruit junior college players in the portal and only reason I would ever sign a high school kid is if he dated a local girl and he lived six miles out of town and he worked on his dad's farm where he needed help. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it. Because I, I don't think you can re- – at the mid-major, I don't think you can sign a high school kid anymore and develop them. Unless, Darren, you yeah. can do this. You can say, okay, you come here for two years and then you can go. Almost like you're a junior college. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. What is the one – thing you uh you ever regret saying t- to a referee during a game did well, you, ever, I, I, did you I, ever go there i you know i wasn't i wasn't that guy I okay that guy. all right I wasn't that okay. guy. never i never was uh i was all i i regret that i wasn't harder on officials I, I really do because i thought you know these guys were human beings and every once in a while if you just be nice they're going to give you a call well you can throw that shit out the window that ain't right <laughs> That that didn't work, but I really, I really, I had a great time with officials, and I always did something to start the game. I'll give you a great story. We're at St. Louis, and we've got an official from the Atlantic 10 at that time, and I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he was also an NFL football official, and there was, at midcourt, there was a smoking hot blonde right at midcourt, and she had... I don't know if it was grandmother or mother. She's probably pushing 225, 250, whatever. And uh, I don't know if you can even say that anymore legally. But anyway. It's been let me take the, too late. Yeah, let me it's... take the Charles Barkley's approach. She was a rather big-boned woman sitting next to her. Okay. And so the officials all come up and huddle over it. Now, this is the first guy, time that I ever had this guy. Ever. Ever. I've never had this guy before. And he comes over there in the games. We're getting ready to throw the ball up there. And I just said, hey, you see that uh, You see that blonde over there at midcourt? He goes, yeah, we've all seen her. And I said, you see the lady to the left? He goes, yeah. And they said, good. I gave her your phone number. She's going to call you after the game. You <laughs> did not do that. Yes, you did, did. You just He's not laughing. Done. He is laughing. He's having a great time. Oh, my Lord. And so we're at the end of the game. We win. It's at St. Louis. It's a big rival game. We win. And he comes over to me and he just says, hey, 
I stopped over there at midcourt while they're going. I just went ahead and gave her your number. I told her I was uh-huh. uh-huh. You had it coming, man. Yeah, you, I had it coming. You had but, that coming several different ways. No, but I was always that way with officials. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'd call them, uh, you know, I'd call them by the wrong name or, or, or I, you know, I'd just have fun with them. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'd always say something about my wife. I said, it, it, you know, that lady that's screaming up there in the stands, don't worry about her. That's my wife. So yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite game you've ever, this, is, this should be easy. Favorite game that comes to mind that you ever coached in? Oh, well, I have to go back to high school. I think it's what got my career started when Bishop Kelly upset Star Spencer right there on the middle of the floor at ORD Baby Center. And uh, Richard Roberts was there, Oral Roberts was there. And if that game doesn't take place, you and I aren't doing this podcast today. I promise wow. you that. So wow. I would have to, I would have to go back. And then there's been a lot of what, games. What, that have been, what year was that? What year was that? The uh, Kelly that game? would have been uh, would have been in the eighties. So I'm trying okay. to think here. Uh, you know, I can't. Re- you know, probably eighty nine, ninety somewhere okay. in there. All right. Yeah. But Barry Lewis covered the game. Oh, I, I and, believe uh, that. Yeah. Barry Lewis wrote an article. I think he called it the greatest upset in the history of Oklahoma high school sports. Yep. And uh, Star Spencer, I think, was number one in USA Today basketball. Oh, wow. We beat them. And it was uh, really a neat deal. 1546. There's a kid that went to the free throw line, was a manager here at OSU for Coach Sutton named Jimmy Nichols, and hit one and one. And I'll never forget coming out of the timeout. You know, this is a stressful situation. And I said, Jimmy, if you, you don't make these free throws, I'm going to shoot your dog. <laughs> you True story. You did I mean, not I just say that. Be, I, There's no got, way you said that to the kid. I did, and he turned around and he said, Coach, I don't have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? He stepped up and made two one and one oh, It was awesome. Lord. Just one of those great moments. So, I, I'd have to go back to that. So, Gene Hackman had Jimmy Chitwood. You had Jimmy Nichols. That's yeah, exactly right. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey, they're not gonna. Hey, I, and I hope I, I hope I, I hope you're tracking with me here. They're not gonna screw up the tournament, the NCAA tournament, and expand it, are they? Are they really gonna do that? Or do you, well, are, are you on the side of they should expand it? I maybe I. I hope I didn't speak out of turn. I, I don't. No, think you can't speak out of turn because I, I'm gonna explain it to you in a different way. Uh, I do think the tournament will expand because when I started coaching, we were right. At, we were in the 200s, Garen, of Division One programs. You mm-hmm. can't keep. A number and keep adding to it and not add, you know, to the tournament. So I think you'll find out that, uh, you know, and I'm one of these guys, you know, every year, if you want to go back to the RPIs, it says top five RPI teams never get in the NCAA tournament. I coached three of those top five teams. So, you know, I've got a little bit of red ass here because I still have the lowest RPI team to never get into the NCAA tournament and a 21. Mm-hmm. Lowest since. Even this year, they still do RPI. They don't mm-hmm. talk about it, but the still the lowest RPI to get in other than 21 is 27. I mean, at 21, Darren, mm-hmm. we didn't get in. They just rolled a seven-part series in Springfield, Missouri, about how it was a travesty, and yeah. it was. It was still I, a travesty. Yeah, no, I, I, but I'm afraid that if they expand, all it's going to do, I mean, I don't think it's going to open up spots for what you're talking about. It's going to open up more spots for the power schools. That's what I, that's what I worry about is that all it's well, going to take room for middle of the pack power teams to have the coach meet his, you know, his bonus or something like that of getting in a tournament that he doesn't, that I, he doesn't belong in. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't have a problem with that. Matter of fact, I've always said this. It's uh, uh it, 
you know, you, you ought to be competitive in your league and you can't come out of your league at five and 13 and still go to the NCAA tournament. That, mm-hmm. Unless you win your postseason tournament. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. I do. The only thing I would say about expansion would be arguing for my side of the leagues that I came out. Of. I get you. No, that makes sense. But I got you. I wanted people to think. So we call the show Mind Games, and you've, you've given me and a lot of listeners something to think about, not, <laughs> not just about the tournament, but about, about a lot. Coaches, uh, coaches talking to, to officials, spectators in the crowd, and, of course, name, image, and likeness. That's why we brought him on. Barry Henson, Associate Athletic Director in charge of NIL from an athletic director standpoint at, the, at Oklahoma State University, has been my guest on Mind Games. If you haven't done it, subscribe. You'll get this entertainment, not this quality every week, but we, we at least make the attempt. We at least make the attempt. So like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. You know the drill. Check me out on uh, selloutcrowd.com. Me and my colleagues put out great content related to the Cowboys and the Sooners daily, whether it's written or in podcast uh, show form. Thanks to our, uh, our people behind the scenes, Jacqueline Musgrove and Michael Lane, for keeping us on the air. I'll do it again next week. Until then. Be well.